Hey guys, just want to take a moment to share with you an episode of Nonstop, right? It's something that Joseph and I did sometime last year and something that we're really proud of, you know, and it seems that a lot of people are responding quite well to it. So if you haven't already seen it or heard our different episodes, do check this one out, right? It's one of our more popular ones. I'm going to be sharing a couple of them on this channel and yeah, hope it brings you there. Give our nonstop channel a like, a follow, a share, whatever it is, you know, that's N-A-A-N-S-T-A-A-P, right? Check it out and hope you like it. See ya. Hi guys, you're listening to Nonstop. Today we're going to be talking about Hawker Centers. Right, and we're gonna be taking our own version of the topic rather than always about the you know UNESCO and heritage and all of that nonsense. Yep. Yeah. So in a year of COVID, a lot of conversations has been started, especially recently, about NEA raising rent for hawkers. Yep. When you first heard of it, how did it make you feel? I think to me, the timing was just bad, lah. You know, timing of increasing rent in an economic uh, climate like this. Just bad timing. That I. That's my simple. What What about the fact that I mean their response to all the the hate is that you know sometimes the hawkers can cost as little as a couple hundred dollars and we're raising it just on you know the market value or supposed the end of contract so we have to do it. You see, but that's why. Okay, I don't want to go too deep into this, but on a very simple uh economic scale, right? The reason why they can do this is because we don't have a union. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Because in any other uh, Commonwealth country like Australia, New Zealand or whatnot, whether a landlord has dips on extending a contract and whether there are increase in prices has to go through the union. They can't just pull out a number from their rear end and, and nobody can say nothing about it. But here, you can't. That's, that's why this is happening, right? If you cannot, you cannot pay it. Never mind. It's okay. There'll be another hit to take it. And that's how this has been running for so long. I mean, it's Singapore business in a nutshell. Yes. That's how companies here tend to work. Yes. Um, yeah. But then overall, it's, it's business, right? That's Correct. The, that's the harsh take on it. Yeah. And even though COVID is unplanned, it's the harsh truth. Mm. You should know that you're opening a store in Singapore mm. and based on your contract, I, I'm pretty sure our contracts are... Tight, mm. you know. If you really read all the details, you would know that it will come sooner or later. Yeah. And yes, the emotional side. I feel I'm on the hawker side for sure. Yeah. If I'm thinking emotionally, but if I put my business hat on, to me, it's just like yeah, I would have expected it coming, and yeah, have to take it and plan for it. Just to give some context, recently during the COVID situation, NEA, which is the Singaporean agency that handles all of the hawker centers around Singapore, decided to not decide but raise the rental rates. And it's in their contract, you know, every two or three years, they have to do what they got to do and follow book by book like all agencies do. And ba- ba- that caused a lot of uh, basic, anger. Sorry, j- just don't, 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 don't lose your train of thought. But basically, to, to give people context, right? What, they, what, this, organization, uh, what this organization uh, means to do is that their angle is this. Listen, when you first got this contract two years ago, the land value was different. So I need to be fair and I need to re-evaluate the value of this land. Hence, two years from now, I cannot guarantee. guarantee this you X that, amount. Yes. 
that's the point. Okay, now continue. There was one. Is he a food blogger? Who UFC to? Uh, sort of, right? Like a I spokesman mean, for heritage yeah, in yeah, yeah. hawkers. I mean, the whole Makan Sutra was created by him. Yeah. Right? So he was quite angry about kind of mm. and put it online, saying that it was bad timing, and it blew up. So if you ask me, I'm gonna open a business in a hawker. What kind of a hawker am I gonna be? And am, am I gonna be the guy that uh, stands by my great grandmother's recipe? And I wanna open a stall. And no matter what happens to the lease and my overhead costs, I'm still gonna stay true to the recipe because it is my gift to the people. I want, I wanna, I wanna represent, right? And that all sounds nice, airy fairy, and everything. But when your overhead starts digging into your profit, any proper smart businessman, the first thing he'll do is, where can I get cheaper ingredients? Yes. That's simple. Simple. And they have to pivot. Yes. So but the truth is, I mean, what you described is the kind of problem or discussion that we've been having about hawker centers in Singapore for quite a while quite now. Quite a while. Outside, yes. Right. Yes. People want to hold on to that authenticity. Mm. They always complain about Malaysia being authentic. And in Singapore, we tend to just keep that brand, franchisable kind of name there yep. in hopes that, yeah, it's still there. Yeah. But the truth is, it's all dying out due to cost. Exactly. And raising the rent is not going to help that. But on the flip side, the government wants to say it's all it's a UNESCO heritage and all of that. So, yeah, I don't understand. Like, what, what has that got to do with I mean. No, so that's my point, right? You want to say that hawker culture in Singapore is UNESCO heritage, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And then on the other hand, the rent is raised mm. and you're killing off even more of the businesses that need that little bit of profit margin to survive. I mean, gone are the days, right, where a Mipok store owner can afford to send his kids to university overseas. Yeah. If you restart and open a Mipok store today as a young hawker owner, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. You're going to only be able to make a very average living. Mm. If you're lucky, three to five grand a month. Mm. But in the past, they can make insane amounts of money, actually. Yeah. Okay, what is the link between that and UNESCO? That's the part I don't get. We want to talk about history and it's being it's part of Singapore culture, right? But on the flip side, we're killing the culture. Dude, I went to Lao Pasar that day. Okay, you know what? I'm going to talk about this. I went to Lao Pasar that day. You know how much was one bihun goreng? $8 bro $8 You know what You know what consists of Bihun goreng or not Bihun Sambal that he didn't even Make himself And he bought from a supplier Throw in tauge Meat I can barely count If there's any meat in there Some mince kambing That's dried up Yep And you charge me $8 Jesus please But this then you the put in a I have a type on stalls Exactly But you put it in one Lao Pasar wah, Put little pushcart thing all And then wah, macam You're sitting on the road And eating Please Please to me, a lot of our hawker culture is being preserved in these kind of uh, luxurious hawker centers, right? Correct, bro. So, Lao Pasa, Sate by the Bay, Newton Food Center. Bro, it's not made for us. You and I both know that. These okay? are made for foreigners. Correct. Let's be honest here. Yes. And tourists coming to Singapore. And then we're using this to sell the heritage for people to come to Singapore for holiday. Because, here's the thing. People who come from places like in countries like that, Europe, Australia, they don't even know what a hawker is. Correct. To them is oh my my neighborhood cafe, my chippy shop. No, but to them, right, when they eat a plate of our eight dollar me, it's like whoa, it's cheap. Cheap. It's cheap. You know where I have to go to my Chinese local restaurant and their chow fun, their fried rice, thirteen dollars. Like thirteen dollars, like man, it doesn't taste anywhere close to this. I'm like, yeah, bro, you come to my grandmother's house and eat better. But that's uh. I would say that's the issue that I have personally with raising the rent, yeah. right? You want to sell a story of Singapore <laughs> for the foreigners. Yep. But locally, we're being fed a different thing. 
Absolutely. How many times have we had this conversation with random people and ask them, so what is what is Singapore culture to you? I don't think I've ever got a straight answer. A lot of people tend to struggle with that, right? What is Singapore food? Yeah. What is Singapore culture? And yeah, I tell you, the their answer always because well, 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 always turns to this. Uh, Singapore is a place very safe, uh, very clean. How, yeah. well, I did, how did that turn into being a culture, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like if you really look at the breakdown of course, right, by region, most hawkers are expecting to have to pay about 15 to 20k to set up and then monthly they probably have a 8 to 15k operating cost including so renter yeah all in so they probably they need to pull in at least 20k a month lah, mm. you know and then every little bit matters right you have a helper boom another two grand is gone yeah how much are you really going to save in the long run yeah that's the challenge for a lot of hawkers it's not something that i personally think can be solved anymore to be mm. honest. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but to me, right, the whole young hawker thing is a fad. It's not sustainable long term. And that's due to the system that we have created. Unless that kid comes in, he has enough money. He's like, dude, I'm going to be able to put my store in all the food courts in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. you can make your money, right? 1000 per store. But how many people are really going to do that? Technically, you're a corporation on your own. Exactly. You don't have to go so far. I'll use Bugs as an example. Okay. That's how Burke started. One oh, yeah? st- that's it. I, I don't know the story of Burke's actually. One one store. Two two young chaps, not not much older than us. Coffee shop. Now okay. they got one in what? Bedok Marketplace? Everywhere. La. Everywhere. Everywhere. Right? But that's their their gig was this. Before uh Heartland stalls started doing fancy food, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Another the, fat. These guys came in because before that, Western food in a hawker center is what? Your frozen french fries, uh, your cheap cut of chicken chop. Chicken chop. Y- your gravy that is bought from a packet and then warmed up and pulled. That is what we knew to be Western food in hawker center. But Burks came in and said, you know what? I'm giving you Wagyu uh, minced beef. I'm making it fresh. I'm giving you cheese. I'm making the buns myself. All the buns I'm getting from a local uh, baker. They they created that brand, right? And it was from them that all these other uh, stalls started coming out doing, you know, their elevated version of... Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why we are losing the authentic flavors, right? Correct. These young bucks are doing this because for them, it's, I'm going to give a Do facelift. My way. I want to give a facelift to Singapore food. So how about our grandmothers who had a really amazing uh, rojak recipe or a really amazing, um, I don't know, some Chinese dish or a biryani or whatever. You know what I mean? These places, are we're losing it. 10 years from now, I, I, I doubt we'd, we'd be able to see. It's it. gone. Yeah. I, mean, there's, I mean, even I wouldn't want to do it, right? Why would you... For example, your grandma used to make popia. $2 per popia, $3 per popia now, today. Why you want to stand there and make popia the whole day in hopes of bringing home three grand a month? And here's the key. Uh, it just occurred to me. Back then, they could do it without a fuss because the number of popias you need to sell didn't come anywhere close to how much you must sell now to make. Yep, that's, the exactly. di- to break, that's the difference. It, and, and you know, that's actually a good point. It needs to be convertible in that sense, right? Yes. And I feel that that's what the NEA or whatever, yes. yeah. that's what they should be doing. Yes. They should be actually finding out, can this place pull enough chicken rice to cover the cost or not? But they don't care because at the end and of that the number day, needs can you to be pay public. your rent? That's it. That's yes. all it matters to them. But that number of sales, yeah. it needs to be public, whether the shop owner likes it or not. Mm. That way, oh, I'm raising rent and if that, shop owner cries foul, mm. then NEA can say, why you complain? Mm. You sold 
20,000 plates last month. Mm. You made X amount. Why are you complaining? It makes sense. You see, what you're referring to here, right, is union. That's the thing. That's what union's supposed to do. Yep. In our, in our, in our Singapore country, you know which one is our union? Or NTUC. Oh. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. FYI, did you know that my cafe, back then, I was sub-leasing from, sub-leasing from NTUC Income? Mm. Yeah. Subsidies? Was, nope. And I also was uh, in the contract, in the two-year contract I, I signed, it stated that at the end of two years, they had the liberty to... Um, uh, raise rent? Raise rent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a term that they put into everyone's contract that cannot be avoided. I want to be unbiased here, so this is what I think it could be about. And I think this is where they will come from, inflation. I feel like that's the reason why they, they, they put that clause. But to me, two years is too short. Yeah. Right? If it's a good four years, five-year contract, Correct. it makes sense. And we're not saying this um, in, in light of COVID because that, that is a global... Yes. Um, that's know, another topic, That's right? another, yes. Or but another it, angle. Yeah, another angle. Yeah, but based on just regular um, year, year, year to year, your inflation cannot make that much of a dent in just two years. You know what I mean? And, and from my point of view of saying that, it's actually more towards most restaurants when they put investment your ROI exactly yeah, it's, it's not covered in the first exactly, year exactly correct so if you're lucky your first 18 months then maybe you're somewhere there I mean hawkers yes maybe it's slightly different slightly different but yeah. still right that needs to be taken into account correct so I probably only get one good full year of business before you have to raise my rent. Um, That's yeah. why there's the turnover is so high. Just when you're about to break even or you're just about making money, they, they pump you with a... Yeah. They hit you with a... Just with when you thought you were out, they pull they you back pull in. pull you back in! <laughs> <laughs> I love that reference. That's the challenge. So I, I've got a proposition for everyone listening. Let us know what you think about the way uh, Singapore Hawker has evolved in terms of its sustainability to run and where do you see hawkers in Singapore going 10 years from now? Plus, do you think it's fair to expect hawkers to evolve? I mean... Evolve in what way, sorry? Okay, in my personal take, right? Hawkers must modernize. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how authentic you are because all business goes through this. It's unavoidable. So for, for, for let's say a hawker, uncle, whatever, selling mirubus, to do the same thing for 20 years and expect dif- uh, similar results, it's impossible in business. He needs to add e-payments. He needs to add deliveries. He needs to somehow tweak. And if hawkers, I mean, just to be fair to both sides, right? If hawkers don't at least do that bare minimum, they will be priced out sooner or later. Yeah, okay. It's uh, unavoidable. On, on that angle, for sure. I thought when you started talking about tweaking this and that, I thought you were referring to the actual product itself. No. No. The way they market and... Yeah. and, and uh, it's unavoidable. The, the, the way they place themselves in the market. Yeah. Yes, that I agree and with you. I mean, yes. you may not like it, but every hawker store must have a Facebook page. No, necessary. You know, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, yes. And anyway, this is not something like, wow, so big. China is yeah. doing above and beyond that, right? They because Alipay in, in even... Countries ho- like China, yeah. you don't want to do it, you are left behind, my yep, friend. Yep, yep, absolutely. And nobody cares. Nobody yeah. has sympathy for you. Yeah, and and no- nobody would listen to a conversation like this. They'll just be, yeah, because you're stupid. Uh, you don't want to... Yeah. Yeah. Because I believe that that 
side of the conversation is not talked about you're, a you're lot. Right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yes. We are always just like, oh, government sucks because they keep raising rent. No, it's okay. We're not yeah. here to pout. No, the, I, I mean, today's conversation is more on how do you see the uh, digression or the the progression of... Correct. Um, so we're not picking any side. We're just, this is what we have seen. What do you guys think, right? Because I think in terms of the marketing angle and doing all those things, uh, social media and all, I want to talk that on another episode when we do food tech because I think there's a lot there. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a lot I mean, of good stuff there. I mean... The only thing I see from a lot of uh, the old hawker centers, they use their children to modernize, right? Because the children tend to be in touch with technology and Facebook and all this. But then the moment their kids is like, I don't waste my time lah. Then what? End of story for you? Yeah, Cannot yeah, be yeah. what? Yeah. That shouldn't be the way. Yeah. And you have to be realistic in the sense that not every child wants to continue doing it Correct. no matter how successful you are. Correct. No, but you see, uh, in that generation, when they they, they they dedicated their life to their craft, right? Yep. So they've they've been doing this for so long, they don't know any other way to do this. Correct. Yeah. So that's the challenge. Maybe a little organization to help them all modernize would yep. help a lot. Yeah. And that could be a very good government initiative, actually. See, because at the end of the day, right, the question we need to ask, ask ourselves is, do these organizations that create this new, these rules or, you know, pump up brands, do they really actually care for how they'd like to see this hawker culture 10 years, 20 years from now or to them is okay, um, land prices going this much, market prices like this, so I'll just pump it up according to what my algorithm I, shows me. That's I question. think, no, I, I think it's more of it's in my job scope, I need to do it but the hawker hi- history aspect is another department. I have no control over it. That's a good point, man. But I think that's a huge problem in Singapore. Yep. The problems with hawkers that we've had so far is pretty much they're being priced out of their trade, right? And although most of them try to modernize as fast as they can, I personally have only seen tr- them bother with modernization during COVID. But pre-COVID, I don't Never, see many. Bro. To be yeah. honest here. Yeah. Let's, be, let's be honest. Yes, yeah? yes. Uh, if it's not for COVID, majority of people won't have e-payments still. Yeah. And come on. I yeah, actually, that's a big you thing. You know, I've been living in Queenstown for so long, right? I've never seen the coffee shop decal having grab and all until maybe a yep. year ago. It's a requirement now. Yes. But in the past, no. Never, bro. Always cash. Yeah. So. And you know the one gripe I have about hawkers that they have to go through? What? They're forced to pay cleaning services. Oh, yeah. That's no, but then you see, thing. the thing is, the, the management would argue, you are paying this much because who cleaning your plates for you? Are you coming to the table and clearing? That's Which they used to. Correct. They used to. But you see, population-wise or so, I mean, we have to look at this as a whole. Back mm. then, right, when it was on the roads and things like that, we, they never even got plate, bro. They are given like some disposable thing and then what? They are just they just toss it on the side of the yep. road like in Malaysia yep. like that, you know? So in, in the price, what is the price for advancement? That's the... That's These kind of things, these right? These kind of things. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Hawkers aside, what do you think about food courts then, right? Because to me, they are kind of like coming and yeah, murdering all the hawker centers. You know, uh, there isn't a right and wrong here all wrong but if I let, let me take the side of the enemy first lah. if I have a mall I have nice restaurants different cuisines I cater to as many a, a, many different ethnicities as I can by the end of the day what's also important is that I have an option for the average Joe 
who can have five dollars in po- in his pocket and still find something to eat in a mall. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is kopitiam. Yep. I the chains. The chains. Yeah. Can, uh, can I? How do I? How do I package this? That a hawker, a guy who got a stall in Chinatown, some somewhere, is going to say that? Yeah. Okay. I'll come to your mall. But he cannot be. He cannot make your rent. What? So yeah. how? Plus, I think it's a in a very harsh way to say this. It's a necessary evil for for shopping malls. And tourist attractions, right? Even though we were dissing it a couple moments earlier. Yeah. Because it gives that corporation a way to actually control QC a bit, you know, and give some consistency, right? Every shopping mall has X amount of food. Mm. Every, but then if I give you the ability to rent individual stores and just take it at face value that it will be evened out nicely, it, it just won't. Lah. There might be three chicken rice stores at one location and no Meepot stores or no Malay stores, but maybe another mall, it's all Chinese food and nothing for the Malay people. But if I keep it in a corporation, put it in the contract, you have to do this, you have to do that, mm. then at least there's a control of balance and stuff like that right yeah. it's a necessary evil of sorts so i guess you can't have one without the other meaning to say that if it's run by a corporation um they are required to have uh ethnic diversity in your cuisines mm. but they're not gonna go one more step than that in seeing whether the quality of the food is good or not because that'd be too much that, that's my second point yeah actually right yeah they tend to franchise or I mean, I don't want to say this, but they let someone who is not Singaporean handle the food. And in return, in my opinion, they don't have the understanding of the tradition behind cooking a certain thing. It becomes a system, a robotic system. It is. SOP. Yeah. So... Bro, I went to... Sorry to cut you, but I, I, I yeah. don't want to forget this. I went to uh, Nix. You know, Strangu Nix. Yeah. Shwama. Turkish food, okay. uh, for those who don't know. Ah. Okay, he's a Chinese guy cutting things at the back. Can't speak two words of English. I'm sorry, I'm Singaporean and I don't think I need to be polite about this. If you're going to run a business, then yeah, okay, then that's the way it's going to be, right? Then don't put, don't make me pay $8 for a shawarma like that, right? But I'll tell you what the businessman is thinking, okay? in On a business standpoint, it's very simple. Hey, listen, I cannot help find a Turkish guy and stand down there and do for you because this meat is already coming from my wholesaler who is coming from a Middle Eastern country. So what do I need? I just need someone who knows the, how to hold a knife and cut meat. What? Why? Why does he need to be able to speak um, the the ethnic language of of this uh, dish I'm 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 serving? So I'm being I'm being I'm gonna I'm taking both sides of this. I get it. But then my question to you guys is. What exactly do you actually want? What is the service that you want to give the people of Singapore? If at the end of the day, you don't care. It's as long as i got stalls that are paying rent and I've got 70% uh, food stalls, a mixture of some entertainment, theatre, uh, retail, done. I meet my quota. N- nothing else matters. Then at the end of the day, it's just numbers. Whoever can pay them can meet those. Correct. Uh, that's it. And that's why it goes back to our previous point that it's almost inevitable that hawker centres will die out. Yes. Because it's all about a system, a number, and yeah, it will either look like Lao Pasa or it will be a food court. But all that in-between stuff will slowly, slowly, slowly die out or get bought over by a larger corporation that can do another This is exactly what I was thing. thinking, right? That there are heartland places that are already becoming oh, yeah, mini yeah, yeah. kopitiams. Yes. So in Ishun, where my parents stay... Badok also. Badok also have? Yeah. Okay, so when my parents... Ishun is a very like more like, you know, chill... No, I get you know, it. Yeah. Older, older neighbourhood. The coffee shop, this whole strip, right, has got like retail, blah, blah, blah. The front is... Your tuta, your taipeng, blah, blah, blah. But at the 
other end of that row, right, is a store called Choba or Koba or whatever called C-O-B-A. That whole thing is just nasi padang. It's all Malay halal food only. So you have one halal coffee shop on one side, which is a singular brand corporation owned. The other side is a mixture of div- uh, a few hawkers. But I can promise you, right, the mixture of hawker centers would very easily be bought over like a place like uh, that Koba or Choba or whatever it's called. Because to run a business that way is easier. Yes, you know? I agree. But whether the quality can be maintained... And, and to be honest, it's not really about like the foreigners, you know. I'm actually perfectly okay with like, for example, if a Chinese company bought a whole food court mm. and took the hawker concept, but every stall is a cuisine from different parts of yes. China. That would be amazing. That would be dope. Yes. You know, and yeah. I'm totally cool with yeah. businesses doing that. Yeah. But if you come and you do a chicken rice or Indian food or Malay food and you just half-heartedly do everything. No, I don't need you following to smile, that. but just, yeah. just know what you're doing. Okay. If you're just following an SOP, man. See, I'll give you an example. You know, just now I said about the Chinese guy doing the, the, thing, yeah. the Turkish thing and all that, right? Dude, I'll tell, I, I, that... That pisses me off. But do you know that it's when It's not I, his fault. It's not yeah. his fault. But here's the thing. Uh, I'll tell you on the other side of the spectrum. I go to my Taipung store below my house. The guy can like speak like mixture of like Malay, a bit of Tam- uh, you know, Tamil, yeah, this and that. They get the hang of it. La. Yes. And this guy actually cares about what he's doing, man. Like I've, I'm so close like to this guy. I can actually tell him like if one of the days the, the, the dish is a bit off, right? I'll tell him then he, yeah, this one I think a new guy cooked. That's why. You know, it's uh. like, yeah, <laughs> you see, this guy actually cares about what he's doing. Yeah. Man. And mind you, I want to make I want to make sure I say this. They are all from China, okay? Yeah. So I'm. It's not about you from China or you're from what is. Do you actually care about the food you're putting yeah. out? That's the point. And it's actually not their fault. It's the owners who hire them. To them is. And to be fair, this applies to hiring locals as well, right? Yeah. If you hire someone who just don't care about the food at all, it it comes out in the food, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's obvious. Food is emotional and love and all of that put yeah, together. Yeah, and that's not airy fairy. It's true. Yeah. But if if you yes. You can say, oh, but listen, Joe, I've given all my staff a SOP where they just have to follow in the ingredients, how many spoons, how many everything. And then do you think that the food is going to taste the same all the time? I guess the other argument would be, hey, but Joe, look at McDonald's. They have SOPs and it works perfectly for them. <laughs> so I, that's an open, that's open conversation. True. I just wanted to throw that out there. But, but, but I mean, to, to say something to that, the kind of food that they create, it doesn't require the level of love exactly. in that sense. Exactly. You know? It's a it's a perfected system. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Assembly it's line. Assembly line. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. like like an uh, SOP would not work in, for example, a fine dining restaurant mm. in in many ways. Mm. You know, because it is so detailed oriented. Yeah. Um, a me is emotional. You know. That's you see, the, that's uh, the it's difference. funny, you know, when you talk about Hokkien Mee, how are you going to jot down in an SOP when you're cooking over charcoal fire? Oh, ah. look look at the charcoal when it is slightly off red amber. That's when you know, come on. That's the challenge, man. You yes. can't. And that's why it tends to die with the owner. Yes. <laughs> Unless someone they want to hand it off to is willing to spend the time to take it over. Do you feel that uh, your generation, our generation, have succumbed to accepting that this is the level of the kind of everyday food that I'm going to get from Hawker Centre and Kopitiams and whatever. So, 100%. Uh, Aya, why you... Aya, dude, this one is, is really like, well, then you angry also, then what are you going to do? Okay, it's a mixture of a few things, right? Mm. We're all getting suffocated with finances in Singapore. Yeah. So to us, there's no time to care about these ah, things. Ah, wow. Very, very there's, interesting th- point. There's no like time... This. Yeah. To oh a safe heritage. I can't even feed my children or send them to the school that I feel fits my community standard 
or whatever, you know. I'd rather just drive over to Johor, get that wonton mee that is so amazing compared to all the potians in Singapore. And yeah, it's easy. You why know, why I, you want to trouble yourself? It's crazy. As you're saying this, I remember a lot of times when I'm at the Taipeng stall, the, I can obviously tell this lady is a, a mother of whatever. She finishes work. She go down there, ask for four packets, right? And she will just, uh, this, 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 this. All three or all four, same tahu, same, same tau uh. And I'm just like, so sad. And she's one of so many households. Yep. So Definitely, man. I don't really have an answer to this. But there I is think no answer, It's just man. something it's, for us to think it's about. Honestly, um, it's bigger than just hawkers. La. Yes. People, people yes, think it, that it is just down to the hawkers no, and no. the culture. No, no. i tell you, you know? what it is. It's, it's you said it a bigger. little bit before. It's our attitude towards food in our life and how much it is important. There's another part of this conversation where people would argue, hey, but guys, look, now people really care about what they put in their mouth. But I think they were talking about the vegan and the... Uh, but Different lah. Yeah. yeah, it's different. As a, a nation, that's what we should be talking As a nation, how important is food to our lives, not just in taste, but what we are doing to ourselves, you know? Because, yeah, I mean, to end off, right? Yeah. Do you think that if you, ca- you can go and support every single hawker around Singapore... So that they don't die out, it's not gonna happen, man. It's impossible. Yeah. So I, I guess the government sees it as centralizing it in one spot like Lao Pasa, maybe. But I mean, we don't see it, lah. No, there's really is no real answer to this. I only have one last thing to throw out there. I think any any kind of change can only happen once a cumulative effort of people decide I want something different for ourselves. Simple as that, you know? And I'm not saying you go to uh, Hong Lim and then make a revolution. No, No, that's not what I mean. It's when customer behavior changes, that's when you will see the supply chain. Simple. Simple as that. We're we're going to go through a time where it's like, you know how every time on Instagram now you see all the last white rhinoceros just Uh, got extinct? uh, uh, uh. We're going to go through that with our hawker food. You're so right, bro. The yeah. last uh, Mi Pot store from Aku, he's dead. His sons don't want to take over. It's done. No more. Just like the Bakute thing over the start of COVID. Mm. You know, then the son is like, save us, save us, blah, blah, blah. But like, we're going to be facing this yeah. sooner or later. We kind of all spoke over a Singapore. little bit about this when, it, when we talked about Moati the other day, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Kind of I like mean, that. people don't notice, but Moati's kind of gone already. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone, bro. Very true. Yeah. And in many ways, like some of our other conversations, like Potong yeah. and all, it's yeah. all done. Yeah. It's all corporations now. Yeah. Something to think about, man. Good point. Yeah. And that's it for our very messy episode about hawker centers and food courts. Let us know what you want to see food look like 10 years from now. And to be honest, do you think it can be saved? Let us know.